Okay, welcome everybody to episode number nine of the Hockey Toolkit. I am uh, Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, today our, uh, we're here to talk about goaltending. Oh yeah. Hot button topic. <laughs> it is. Neither of us are goaltenders. The... No, neither of us are. <laughs> neither of us are goaltenders. I always judge. So when we have like, um, when we have our tryouts or we'll bring in a kid um, for like to come in for a visit for our, our junior teams. And usually I gauge if the kid's any good. If, if I'm still able to put pucks past them at 43, yeah, you're not making it. <laughs> if, if the kid, if the kid, if the kid can stop my shot, hey, we got we got something to work with here. All right, you're better than a beer leaguer. All right, what's uh, let's see what else you got. Let's bring out some of the other big guns. Yeah, I mean, my I know enough to be dangerous with goaltending, but uh, I don't. Uh, I, I will not say I'm any goaltending guru. I leave that to the uh, professionals. But what uh, before we jump into the full goaltending uh, uh, episode here, what's been going on with you? Just, uh, you know, we hit February stride now. Like, the teams are really down to their last couple games. You know, we got, I think, five left for our EHL team, about six left for our P team. Both teams kind of split their weekend this past weekend, but we got some big games coming up. Um, and, you know, then we're ready right the playoffs in early March. We had another kid commit to college, a kid who's going on Assumption. The next nice. game, he broke his toe. So Ooh. he's done for the year. So thank God Assumption saw him when they did. Okay, uh, but we got a bunch of stuff going on like that. How about yourself, Trevor? Uh actually, uh, as a uh, let's see, last two week, uh, two weeks ago, not even no, this past weekend uh, was the first weekend I've had uh, was actually league playoffs. Uh, we were not in it, so the weekend beforehand was our last weekend of hockey this year. Uh, so I'm pretty much uh, just kind of got some ice here that we're using spare, you know, sparingly whenever we can get players out. I've tried to schedule some scrimmages, but it's tough because uh, the high school teams out here are already doing their playoffs and then uh, their state playoffs. So uh, we're not in either of them. So we've just been kind of just doing scrimmages and such and just keeping the kids kind of, you know, I paid for the ice. So try and use it as much as possible. And then uh, it's kind of it. I interviewed for one job uh, for a high school job that I did not get. Uh, I guess I was on uh, that's all right. It's uh, they're lost, right? <laughs> but uh, no, I mean it, it is what it is. I uh, was hoping you know it'd be cool to get, but uh, you just got to kind of move forward. So uh, looks like I will be coaching. Um, a, well, it hasn't been announced yet, but I don't care. Uh, I'll be I'll be moving down a couple, quite a few age groups actually, down to the uh, squirt level. So that's kind of what uh, I'll have a little bit of a break here moving forward uh, for probably about a month, and then we get that kind of going for spring and pretty short and easy. So that, uh, that's that, about it for me. That would be fun. You know, like, I think uh, one year I coached a peewee team with the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs before I uh, was working with the Wolves. Um, and it was a – I coached the peewee team, and I was an assistant on their, one of their junior teams. And that peewee team was awesome. It was so much fun. We won our Seacoast League playoffs that year. We had a great record, but like the, I saw the biggest improvement out of uh, those kids, probably in, out of any of the teams I ever coached from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, and it was it was awesome. So, um, and I always contended, and I've had a bunch of discussions with other guys about this, that everybody wants to coach the older kids, but the older kids need the least amount of coaching. The young kids, 
you know, the best coaches should be coaching the young kids because those right. kids need the most information. So uh, you got some minds to hold, my friend. Yeah, I'll try and uh, make sure I don't mess them up. But uh, I mean, yeah, I've I've worked with squirts before, done peewees. Um, you know, I enjoy I enjoy all groups. I think it'll be nice to kind of step back a little bit with the age level. Uh, it's still going to be competitive. It's going to be basically the highest level of double A that you can coach here uh, in Illinois. Actually, probably in the the country. Um, so that's pretty. You know, again, they're they're young kids, though. So I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. So just making sure that they're uh, working hard, they're learning, and they're having fun. I mean, that's all I can ask for. And if every kid comes back, they get better, they have fun, and they uh, come back the next season, then I've done my job. So that's kind of what uh, I'm looking into, but. Uh, kind of go into it here but uh goaltending we uh we've got a pretty not even pretty we've got an awesome uh interview that we uh we just get done here uh with uh joe bertagna correct is that how you say it joe bertagna okay make it sure because i don't want to i don't want to miss you know say those words or not announce his name correctly because, uh, like I said, I do have his book over here that uh, he was the editor of, which uh, the, the Hockey Coaching Bible. It is available in Chinese and in Russian, in case you're curious. No other in, in English, but uh, uh, that's it. That's all he had. And he, he showed us it uh, off camera, off the interview, but that was – I know we'll talk about it after we play it, but uh, – you know, goaltending in general. What uh, what do you want to kind of broach here? Yeah, so I mean, I've you know in the last even in my my I've been coaching I'm really for about 15 years and and I've seen so much change in goaltending uh, and I don't know what to pinpoint that specifically on. I think Joe hits on a couple of the topics, but I think really the evolution of the game changed kind of in the 80s. The 80s and the NHL was such a high scoring period, and he hit on that. The game became more east-west instead of lateral, up north-south. And goaltenders had to adjust. They played deeper in their crease now. They had to be bigger instead of like guys like Darren Pang in Chicago, who was, what, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, really quick. Um, now goaltenders became bigger. They played lower on the goal line. They sealed the lower part of the net more. They reduced their rebounds. Um, and it became a very different game. And uh, in just my you know 15 years of coaching, I've seen that change a lot. And, and uh, now that relationship between that goaltender coach and the player becomes really, really important. And Joe hits on a lot of those topics. What, what have you seen, Trevor, in your years of coaching and how much the goaltender position has changed? So I'll, I'll use a little bit of my playing days too. I don't, I do not remember really any, I mean, I know there are goalie cl- uh, camps out there, probably some goalie clinics, but I don't remember ever seeing as many goalie coaches or instructors as there are today than I did say hell even 20 years ago um so just the the specialization on the training which rightfully so I mean you're you're playing a little bit of a different game than everybody else um and you're one of the most important players if not the most important player on the ice so for me that uh seeing that specialization going you know just as it moved up and you know seeing how kids now you know, I've got co- we've got coaches that come out. Uh, a goalie coach comes out to our individual practice once every other week. My goaltenders also saw uh, they had goalie their own goalie clinic uh, every week, so they were getting you know they were getting reps all the time. Where I remember, I mean, high school, I mean, even 
in uh, club hockey growing up as a kid. Like, I, I couldn't even tell you if we had a goalie coach or company that even came out, you know. Um, so for me, that's one of the big things. I mean, obviously, we've seen the size changes, uh, just the technical aspects of it, of how, you know, how they want you to make certain saves and just, again, just how specialized and how, again, technical, for lack of a better term, uh, that position really is. So it's uh, it, it's opened my eyes. And, again, just, uh, you know, as they say, goalies are weird anyways. But uh, I don't <laughs> – I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, I'll yep. go first, so it's not too much on the spot. But what are two things that you uh, have seen positive in programs or practices or coaches that can help goaltenders? Uh, the first one, I think, uh, is having, like you said, a private goaltender instruction instructor implemented or integrated into your program that the kids can see on a regular basis. Here with the Wolves, we have five days of practice. Usually our games are on the weekends, and we devote our Monday skill sessions just to goaltender sessions. So our guys will go out there and shoot. The goaltender coach runs the practice. We have all the goaltenders in our program out there, and he takes them through you know, a number of different drills and stations so that they can get a night. You know, continue to hone their skills throughout the year. The second thing that I've seen is, um, you know, we have a program with our EHL team called Instat, which a lot of programs use, and and they they do a tremendous amount of metrics and calculations on the goaltender. They'll tell you if you, he's getting beat on his high blocker, low blocker, glove side, and we can share that with our goaltenders, and uh, it gives him a, it gives also our goaltender coach an idea of what things he needs to work on for that specific goaltender. So for sure, um, you know, the technology's improved but also the programming is improved to help goaltenders. And I think if you're running your own program or coaching your own team, some of those ideas might be able to help you and help your goaltenders. What have you seen, Trevor? Uh, you know, two things. Uh, you know, the first one is I've seen a lot more uh, coaches, you know, and again, I don't want to ruin Joe's interview too much, uh, but he does bring it up, you know, creating creases outside of the actual zone itself. So, um in my days as a director, even as a coach, I would go to the goalie clinics just to help out, just to kind of learn more, um, corral kids around, whatever necessary. But, you know, just the drawing of a crease to give the kids some type of idea. And we actually had it at uh, when I was in uh, Hoffman. We had on, in the ice painted in was an, creases on one of the rinks where in the neutral zone so we could set up two nets there so the kids still had some frame of reference there so i mean that kind of uh that specialized you know specialization i guess you could say or that uh you know just that specific training um but i've also seen i'm trying to think another positive would probably have to just be just the amount of kids that are that want to try goalie um you know they want to try it now. Does mom and dad let them know? Uh, but, you know, they might go out forever a couple times and give it a shot during, like, a development co- class or whatever, learn to skate, or even just goalie clinic. Um, just the amount of kids that want to give it a shot. So I think that's something that before it was kind of like, you know, and again, this is stealing into some of our top – or one of my myths, but, uh, again um, – basically the amount of kids that are interested in being goalies and they all know who all the pros are um you know back when you know before youtube and nhl.com i mean nhl.com was around but nobody really you only knew the big names you know broder hasek you know now kids know you know guys that are third stringers and maybe that's because of nhl you know the game but whatever the case um you know they're telling me like oh did you see the save or so and so so i think you know 
And another good positive, um, okay, so I'm going to probably just delete all of that, but another positive I've found is that uh, coaching uh, in general, there's been a lot more information put out on how to coach uh, goalies and how to train them within practices, uh, off ice, and in, you know all that information, which before, you know, and again, okay, so now I am definitely going to be stealing one of my myths, but... Um, you know, before it was, all right, goalie just does whatever drills, you know, you do and you hit this or that where I've seen a lot of positives where it's like, okay, let's make sure that we've got the goalie set up, ready position, you know, where the puck is before we start the drill. Um, so those types of things I've seen improvements on where before it was never really, not that it wasn't, but it was just kind of thrown out there. So, yeah, that's great. Um, and I agree with you hundred percent. I think that those, both those things, including that, what you said about um, the types of players, like, you know, back when I was growing up, you just threw the kid who, could, who couldn't skate, you threw him in the net. Now kids are a little bit, they each want to try the position uh, because they know that when they put them at times, they're not going to get hurt as much. Um, it might be a little shocking the first time they feel a puck, but like they, they're not going to get hurt. The, the padding and the equipment is so much more modernized and protective than it used to be. Um, you know, a goaltender is a unique position that is, it is very technical, but also a lot of it's between your ears. Um, what are some goaltenders that you've seen, uh, whether it's professional or, or somebody you played with, uh, who have the right kind of demeanor to be as goaltender? What are some characteristics of a good goaltender in your in your crease uh, who's, who's good between the ears? Uh, I mean, good character characteristics obviously you want a kid that uh, can pay attention you don't want the kid who's standing out in the middle of you know left field just picking you know daisies or whatever but uh so you want a kid that's very tentative um you know studious someone who you know is trying to learn again goaltending a lot of it's i mean it's pretty much angles um so knowing the angles knowing you know the situations uh competitive i love having competitive goalies um you know for me I've I'll take a competitive kid over a kid who just kind of sits back um, ten times out of ten because I know that competitive kid he's gonna want to, he's gonna push himself to get better but not only that but he wants to make sure that no damn puck gets by him um, I mean I've had kids I've watched players kids whatever just throw fits because somebody scored on them and it was great because you're like you know this kid wants it um, so that competitiveness and just again you know that overall someone who also though can kind of go with the ebbs and flows of the game you don't want somebody who lets in one goal and uh, goes all Ron Hextel on you um you know but you also you know you want a kid that cares but you don't you want a kid that can put it past them not not really put the puck past them but put put okay a lot of, right yeah. exactly yeah I let, let the puck in all right you know what it should happens I'm gonna move forward uh, so that's what I'm looking for, more or less, uh, from my goalies characteristically. But what about uh, how about yourself? What do you guys look for, especially with uh, the Wolves? Those those are great. I, I definitely agree with that. You have to have a short term memory. You let one in, but you got to get past it, not ready for the next puck. Um, in 2017 18, I was the EHL coach, and uh, we were in the middle of kind of a rebuild. I, that was my first year coaching. We had a coach previously. You know, we and we struggled, and we had to. Um, we were in last place the year before. We were looking to rebuild, and uh, that year I brought in two goaltenders who had played at the EHLP level, but were very good at that level. And I thought that those two kids were could be really competitive against each other in their mm-hmm. age out year. 
And I think that was one of the strongest tandems we ever had. They possessed a lot of the characteristics that you talked about. Chris Patone and Brendan Bonfort, they were kids who were kind of like, they, were on, they, were, they weren't, I wouldn't say good enough because that's not the case at all, but like they were always overlooked. So they were competitive in that they wanted that spot, but now they're competing against each other. So they were like friends, but they're not that close of friends. You know what I mean? So they're, they're trying to go hard for it. And both those kids, you know, if there's a puck around the crease, they were giving the extra effort to make every single save in games or practices. And then, you know, right now, you know, Brendan just finished up four years at Anna Maria. He was the starting goaltender there, the year, uh, starting goaltender there for a number of those years. And then uh, Chris Matone um, is an extremely competitive kid. He's in his senior year at Fitchburg State. He's the starting goaltender there. After his freshman season, season he got a, he was invited to a Florida Panthers development camp. Um, oh, no kidding. You know, That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he was just an extremely competitive kid. And both those kids possessed a lot of the same characteristics in that they were ultra competitive. Um, they were good teammates. Um, they were hard workers. Uh, and then they had that kind of like move on to the next play mentality. They let one in, but they get right back up and ready for that next save. No, and that's, that's fantastic. I mean, you, that's what, that's a coach's dream right there. When you've got that type of goaltending, cause then, you know, all right, they're going to get better. They want it. Now I still need to work with them, but I, like you got that part covered, you know, as a coach, you never want to walk into a season and have your goalie as your weakest link. Um, or goalie. You got to have that confidence. You know, you, you want your team to be able to, when they step on the ice, they think they have a chance to win. And if the goaltender doesn't have that confidence in himself, isn't competing hard in practices and games, you know, practices are important. The kids see how he's competing in practice. You need to have that. Absolutely. For sure. Well, I don't want to hold off any longer here. Let's uh, let us uh, jump into our interview. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Joe Britannia. He is a legend in the goaltending community and with USA Hockey. And we're going to get some insights on, from him on uh, proper goalie instruction, what he's seen in the game, and how to implement um, a lot of the goaltending teachings that he works on with his athletes into a practice. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I I, uh, I enjoy talking about goaltending, and uh, I'm ready to go. All right, Joe. My first question for you, really, um, this is something I always come across when I go to USA Hockey meetings, and it's um, you know they cover how to run a practice, stuff to do off the ice, um, different systems you can run. But then when they get to the goalies, they always kind of like they push it off, and and the, and the coaches say, "Well, I don't really know what to do with goalies. I wasn't a goalie." What have you found for youth coaches the best way they could integrate coaching goaltenders at their practices? So you, you put your finger on one of the problems that over the years I've heard the exact same quote about, hey, you know, you guys are all crazy. you got to be a goalie to, to coach one. And it's a convenient way for, for the everyday coach to wash his hands of, of uh, any responsibility with, with arguably the most significant player on his team. And so into that vacuum in the last few decades have become entrepreneurs who are goalie coaches who created these little kingdoms. And I, you know, I started a goalie camp 50 years ago. Um, and it's, for me, it's a summer camp. I'm down to one week. It's not a big deal anymore. Um, but the, the, the new guy in the Twin Cities or in, in, in Boston or whatever, they've created this, uh, this, this, this thing where the parents are convinced they've got to go every week. You know, he might be on the ice six times, but you got to go to their goalie guy for a week. So they've stepped in and 
next to the development of of better and lighter and larger equipment, it's the it's the second most significant thing that's happened to the coaching of goaltending. The the equipment made it easy for for goalies to play a little deep because it was big, and they could they didn't have to come out as much. Um, the equipment made it easier to get through a practice without getting hurt, so you could actually get something from practice. But the 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 equipment and the the rise of the private goalie coach has really changed things for the most part for the better. Because I came from an era where it hurt to play a goal. You, you, you wanted to survive a practice, uh, just get through it, and you, were, you had to be self-taught. Uh, there was no internet. There, were, there weren't many games. I grew up in the Boston area. There wasn't much on television until Bobby York came around, and that was my uh, – by then I was in high school. Um, so you learned by following the local high school goalie. Maybe you went into a college game or you, 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 you saw some rare footage of, of a pro goalie. And and as a result, there were so many different styles. Everybody looked different. Today, when I go to one prep school game after another, I see a clone. I see the same kid who's between 5'11 and 6'3. He tracks the puck and drops. He tracks the puck and drops. And they're trained, for the most part, in a studio. They're trained in a off-ice, small area, maybe a fake ice, maybe real ice. Those places are conducive to good technical they can get a lot of shots but getting a lot of shots and learning how to execute saves is not the same as learning how to be a goalie so now you go back to your question about the role of the average youth coach i think a lot of the programs i know some programs who farm out the instruction by by either bringing a coach in for a skills session or in many cases they actually give families vouchers they the, the families say hey we like going to this guy and we're going to go to that guy. They say, all right, fine. We'll, we'll give you vouchers. Uh, you can use those to get credit and pay for your private coach. So they are literally exporting their responsibility of coaching the goalies to somebody who's not part of the program. And, and it puts coaches, bench coaches in the spot of, you don't have to be a goalie coach to know if a kid's going down too early. You don't have to be a goalie coach to know if his angles are horrible. Uh, you don't have to be a goalie coach to see flat rebounds. And so a, a coach interacts with his goalie and the parents will say, well, that's not what his private coach said. And we're paying the private, you know, they may end up eventually beyond the vouchers paying the private coach. So they, they end up with an affinity to the guy they see once a week over the Absolutely. guy that's their team's head coach. What does he know? He's not a goalie. So <laughs> it does create friction between parents and, and uh, coaches. And then, when you get down to the, the practice, I used to give these talks, level one, level two. And for years, it, it never occurred to me that nobody has a full sheet of ice anymore. You know, and in my mind, a practice is going north and south and you have all the space. Finally, after about two years, I said, by the way, how many of you guys practice on a full sheet? And about three hands out of 30 or 40 went up. I said, so the rest of you and a half? That's right. So I started going to practices to watch what they do. And a lot of times, Cross ice, which is great for his benefits. Two goal, two nets next to each other, one to the right of the crease, one to the left on the goal line. And then I saw a a, uh, a net turned and facing the corner, and they threw a puck in the corner, and guys did one-on-one. And the horn blows, 50 minutes are over, and the goalie was never in the crease. Wow. So you got a 10-year-old goalie, an 11-year-old goalie, they're, they're learning their craft. A building block for a goalie is just the familiarity with navigating the crease is a big part of being good at that position. Post to post, out, up, down, not having to look to see where you are. 
So if practice after practice, they're, they're trying to be creative in using the one zone they have. They don't let the goalie practice in the crease. They are really setting him back or delaying the goalie's development in, in that crucial area. That, that's so I'll a take great a, point. That's take a, a breath point. now, and then I yeah, – <laughs> No, that's a great point. Like, I mean, utilization of the crease, that's like – I mean, you're trying to – it's like you're trying to farm on the moon if you're not uh, if you're not practicing in the crease. That makes a lot of sense. Well, if you're, if you're teaching the other guys the importance of their edges and uh, handling a puck and crossovers, and you've got, you know, a list of basics – Crease movement is one of the primary basics of a goaltender. And so, you know, I do know that some rinks, uh, the Brooks School, which is a prep school, I don't know if they still do it, but they put many, uh, they painted creases all around the rink. Yeah, so whenever they that. subdivided ways, they could move a net into that area and the goalie would see a crease. I know goalies who have, goalie coaches have these long sticks with a, a marker on the end of it. And wherever they put the net, they'll, they'll mark a crease for the kid. So at least he has a point of reference. Not as good as being in the real crease and having the angles uh, uh, accurate, but it's better than just being out there on your own. That's a great point. Um, you know, I was actually having a conversation with some of our coaches the other day, and we thought that, like, you know, the, the evolution of a goaltender over the last 30 years has been pretty dramatic. You know, you could almost do, like, a 30 for 30 ESPN and just how much goalies have evolved. Now, on the other end of that, coaches have evolved, too, and you kind of alluded to that with the private goalie instructor, instructor, and you also talked about your hockey school. What have you seen in the change of just the athletes? Um, when, when a goalie came to you in 1985, how is he different than a goaltender today? So they're better athletes. They're, the, the better athletes are attracted to the position. And I think some of it goes back to what I said earlier. You, you've eliminated two reasons you might not want to be a goalie. The, the, the equipment protects you. And there's coaching to, to give you direction. And those things, those things weren't there. So you used to get the younger brother. You used to get the chubby kid. I was both. And uh, <laughs> I, was a, I was a defenseman until two weeks before tryouts for my high school team. I had played on a, a, in the eighth and ninth grade play freshman hockey. And the goalie at our school left to go to a private school. He ended up being uh, Ken Dryden, one of Ken Dryden's backups uh, in Montreal, wow. along with uh, La Rock. That's a big name. So when job. he left, we needed a goalie, and I, I, I wasn't. It was a big deal to play for this coach. He coached fifty years. He's, a, he's just a, a legendary coach in Massachusetts. And the only way I thought I had a chance to make it was if I became a goalie and replaced the guy that left. And so, eighteen months after I started playing goal. And uh, I was playing in the state coach. So wow. he take the puck out of my glove on a whistle and hey, he has a great save. And then two weeks later he's calling me. You want to know, hey, you're a pretty good student. Do you want to go to Harvard? So I've been a goalie <laughs> literally a year and a half. And um and then two years later I was I was playing there. So um I think better athletes are attracted. The kids always thought the equipment was cool and they may not have embraced the responsibility that comes with it. Some like that challenge. Some are afraid of it. But once a couple of those obstacles were eliminated, you started to see good athletes go to the position. And there are some phenomenal athletes. Uh, you, you watch how they move around the crease. And, you know, there's a lot of that sliding and recovering, sliding and recovering. Um, I'd like to see them reduce the upper body equipment and open the net up a little bit, which would force them to, to, to have to come out every once in a while and, and to pay more respect to depth. Um, they, they, they almost have institutional 
uh, organizational philosophies of staying deep. And, and the, the theory there is after the first save, you're never going to be too far away from the post, never going to have a lot of net to cover. But it counts on you making the first save. So, you know, you can't teach the little kid to play that deep because he's not he's still trying to learn to make the first save and he's not filling much net. But watch the older goalies. They don't you don't see that the that situational, um, you know, identification that this guy's going to shoot. I'm going to come out and take the other thing is when we grew up, if a guy had a shot, he almost always took it. Uh, there wasn't that extra pass. And, you know, I, I was in college when the Canada-Russia series in 72 happened. And North America uh, got a, an education on the Russians who would not take every shot. In, in fact, they wouldn't take every zone entry. They would, they would regroup. If they didn't like what they saw, they'd, they'd try it over. And so we would just, you know, get a shot, take it. And I remember after that series, uh, Russian teams would stay over or come back and play NHL teams, and they'd get outshot almost every game, but they'd win. You know, they might get outshot 32 to 16, but their 16 shots were all quality shots, and and, and our guys were taking slappers from off the wing. And um, <laughs> so we, we started to learn that there's some value in making in, in holding the puck a little longer, and then the game became more east-west, and then the goalies who, who got caught going out got burned. And so all of a sudden people started to hang back. And when the equipment got bigger, hanging back was not a, a liability. That's a great point, Joe. Like you really see that, that rise in scoring in the 1980s when, you know, the integration of, of European and Russian hockey, when it was more of an East-West game, and you would see, you know, Gretzky when he's facing a goaltender. That goaltender would be so far out of the crease in one pass, and it's in the back of the net. That's a great point. So Trevor, what do, you, what do you have for Joe? Oh, I mean – First of all, it's an honor to be able to be uh, sitting here talking to you because uh, I actually right here have uh, a book you uh, you were the editor of, correct? Yeah, there was a group of uh, – I kind of put together all the – I did the chapter on goaltending, but I, I lined up you know Jack Parker from Boston University and um, uh, Mark Dennehy, who was a scout for New Jersey now, was at, at Merrimack, Nate Lehman from Providence. Um, yeah, that was a fun project. I, I actually have – the publisher sent me the book is published in Mos in Russian and in China. And uh, so I've got the titles uh, uh, with my name. I've got them on my shelf here somewhere. So I know what my name looks like in that Russian uh, Cyrillic script. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, it's a... Uh... I'm, I'm big in Moscow, apparently. <laughs> I mean, it's a fantastic book. Uh, I've definitely gone through it many of times and got it bookmarked with def- uh, different areas and such like that. But I know we uh, we're here to talk hockey, though. But I just wanted to say that I actually I have your book, so uh, there I'm, we go. There you go. I'm still but... waiting for the royalties on it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say something about practicing? Because you, you you hit a nerve early on, which I wanted to get back to. So <laughs> That's what I was going to bring I've up had, anyway. So go ahead. I've had this theory that when I teach that every save, every scoring opportunity, has three parts to it. What happens before the puck's on its way to the net? The, the what happens the moment it's coming and then what happens afterwards. So for a goalie, um, the before is tracking the puck, uh, having an awareness of what's going around you, around you. And then when the, and then being set where you want to be, right? You shouldn't still be moving when they shoot. You want to get where you want to identify what you can get to and still be set. Part two is our, right, here comes the puck and you have to execute some sort of save. And then part three is what follows. It could be a, a rebound. It could be you're covering it up. It could be just getting back up to your feet. And I find in, in traditionally when a coach thinks about the goalie, 
there's this scenario where the assistant coach goes up to the head coach and says, you know, we really haven't done anything with the goalies for a while. And the coach scratches his head. He goes, yeah. All right, everybody get a puck. And, and they, they teach by guilt and volume. So for the next 15 minutes, they're just going to pound the crap out of the goalies with as many shots as they can. Right. And, and all that does is make the coach feel, all right, if the parents say anything to me, I've just given their kid a lot of work. They should shut up now. But it's not smart work. It's not good work. And usually there's no rebounds. Usually it's a fast-paced drill. So the, it's a survival drill for the goalie. Make the save, get back up. Make the save, get back up. So you don't get to work on part one or part three. And I think the most important part of that sequence is part one. Because if you're really good at tracking and anticipating what's going to happen next, if you get yourself to the right spot, you do that with enough uh, anticipation that you can get there and stop, so you're set. And now you have an awareness of where the rebounders are, where your help is. If you do all that work before the puck leaves the guy's stick, you're in a great position to be successful. Conversely, if you're sloppy, if you have tunnel vision, you only see the puck, you don't know what's going on around you, you're still in motion, you're off your angle, it's really hard to make some of these saves. So if you accept the premise that all that stuff that precedes the shot's important, shouldn't you work on that as part of working with your goalie? In my experience, the drills are on this fast, say a multi-pass drill ends up with a shot. The goalie never has a chance to start with the beginning of the drill, of each sequence. Maybe the first time. He makes the save, and, and we're competitive. Some guy takes a second shot he was not supposed to take. We're still working on it. As we get up, we've missed the first pass of the next sequence. So we join the next sequence in progress. And then it's cumulative. Now, at, at some point, maybe the fourth or fifth one, we're just gonna we're gonna stand there and just not even try because we're so far behind that sequence. We're we're gonna mail, let that one happen, and we'll start on the sixth one. And in a perfect world, the goalie should be able to start at the beginning of each of those sequences. Now you say this to a coach, he'll say, "Ah, oh, yeah, guy's lazy." You know, tell him to get up a little faster. I said, you know, there are some guys that are lazy, but there are guys that want to do the drill right and do it from the beginning, and you're not letting them do the whole drill, and you're cutting out of that drill that's important his his tracking the puck before the shot why do you think he's, he's just going to get into a game and he's going to be good at it it's like the coach that says hey, my, my my guy doesn't handle a puck very well. well you watch a whole practice there's never a time in the practice where the puck's dumped in or he handles it so if he's not good at that in games what, what makes you think he's going to get good at it at practice if you don't include that as part of your your drill dump the puck in dump it around the boards let him experience the game situations that you already identified he's not good at that's how he'll get better that's great information joe great stuff trevor do you have anything for joe i mean that was basically just you know what can coaches do better with uh within their practices to get the goalies going and uh that was my question and you pretty much summed it up right there uh (laughs) and i i don't disagree uh one at all i actually fully agree on that what uh 100 so well, in your, in your uh, 50 years of coaching, Joe, is that accurate? Yeah, this summer will be my 50th camp, and I think I'm going to – Wow. I, I don't want to stop coaching, but I think I'm going to stop the camp business at, at 50. And uh, I was talking – I had an email exchange the other day with Mike Richter, the old Rangers goalie, who came to my camp a couple of summers when he was uh, 15 and 16 years old. And he lives in Connecticut now. He's got a son at Colgate and I think a son at Union. Um, I think he, I know he's got one at Union. Uh, and we give out the Mike Richter Award uh, to the top goalie in the country, and so I get a chance to stay in touch with Mike. 
But he said he might try to come back to the last day. I rented an extra hour of ice on the last day of the camp. And, you know, been on the ice with 12,000 plus goalies. So, wow. you know, if I put the word out, anybody that ever went to the camp, shot pucks or coached, uh, come on by and we'll put our skates on. We'll take a group picture. I don't know if I'm going to have 35 people or 3,000 people. But yeah, you might not um, even have enough space. I'm going to try to publicize it through the Boston Globe and see who shows up. <laughs> I think you should get one of those. At least a double rink. Maybe you have to do it at New England Sports Center. You get 10 rinks in there. Yeah. <laughs> Use all seven rinks. <laughs> well, Joe, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you are a legend in the goaltending community, and um, this is some great insight on goaltending and how to properly coach goaltenders. So I thank you so much for your time tonight. It's my pleasure. You can tell I enjoy talking about it. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joe. I right, appreciate it. So that was great. I think uh, it's important to note, um, you know, for the fans at home who don't know the backstory on Joe, uh, Joe's been coaching for 50 years. He was a goaltender at Harvard. Uh, he's coached college hockey. He's coached professional hockey. He was the goaltender coach for the Boston Bruins. He was the goaltender coach on the 1984 U.S. Olympic team. He um, has been really heavily involved with USA Hockey and their goaltender instruction. And then he's also uh, been in, involved with uh, – uh, the American Hockey Coaches Association. He sits on the board there and also been the commissioner of Hockey East. Uh, he just recently retired from that position. So uh, I thought the feedback and the information that he gave us was was outstanding. And uh, and I really, I thank Joe for taking the time out of his schedule to uh, to accommodate us for sure. It, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was like talking to a legend here, which he is <laughs> very well. Um, like I said, I couldn't... Uh, when you f first talked about, hey, let's bring him on. I was like, God, I know the name for somewhere. And again, I got the book. I literally pulled it out right from my stack of coaches books, right? Uh, the Hockey Coaching Bible. I, I highly recommend it to any coaches, parents, anyone out there. I don't, if you speak, if you can read Chinese, you can read uh, Russian, they got a copy for you uh, <laughs> in English too. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed um, everything that he had to say. Uh, and especially, you know, what he sees right now on the ice. And I think it's fantastic that he's got his, uh, what is this? He said his 50th year uh, camp right here coming up. And uh, just, I, I can only imagine that players and that he's seen, what do you say, 1,200 different players that he, or goal, goalies he's worked with? Yeah, that's kind of nice. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, that that's unreal. So we do appreciate it. I mean, Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'd love to have you on again. Um, definitely pick your brain. I know that interview could have gone definitely for a few hours. For sure. What's one thing that really stuck out to you though, Trevor? What was one thing that uh, really made an impact? You know, and he said it, and again, I, I really, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, 1000% on when he brought up about the goalies where an assistant coach come up to the coach and say, Oh yeah, you know, we really haven't shot on Billy very much, you know, this practice. Oh. Okay. All kids grab a puck. Like, that's just lazy yes. coaching to me. Um, but you see it, for sure. You do. And again, I mean, as a hockey coach of a minor, you know, youth team, you know, even high school team, like I can see how it gets by you because you're thinking so much more about, you know, especially at the older ages, you're thinking so much more about systems and concepts and this and that. Um, but I 100% agree that there needs to be more focus on making sure the goalies are – 
you know, getting reps, but especially in their crease, first of all, but they're getting more reps that are actual to the game situation, um, as well as getting reps that are, you know, starting from the beginning. Okay, after the first one, now you come in on the second one instead of jumping in in the middle at the end uh, where you're catching a puck. Because, I, I mean, I've seen it where the kids aren't even, the goalie's not even ready to catch a yeah. puck. And you got kids, you know, rifling shots at them. And God forbid, you know, they hit them where they don't have pads. Now you're in real trouble. But I think, uh, you know, t- to be a good coach, I think it's important that you're working not only the skaters on the ice, but the goal, t- you know, the goaltenders as well. So coming up with a practice plan that works on game situations, and as Joe said, even if it's just dumping the puck in along the boards where the kids got to jump out and you know play it along the boards there, or they've got to make a pass. I know I've uh, you know this season for myself, I spoke with both my goaltenders, um, you know, quite a bit. But um, and what I'd ask them is, what do you want to work on? Like, what do you feel is a weakness in your game? I mean, I have ideas of things that I think you need to work on. I'm not a goalie coach. I talk with the goalie coaches, I get the feedback, um, but what do you specifically want? You know, and a lot of it was, you know, one ki- one of my goaltenders was, I want to see more screens in practice. I, you know, I want to work on that, or I want to work on handling the puck more. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, great, here, great. You're going to start the the quick three-on-two breakout drill that I, not even breakout drill, but the three-on-two rush drill that I run. And put pucks right next to the net, on the whistle, kid would fire a puck to any of the three forwards that were swinging in, They'd go down on a rush, three on two. Once the goalie made a quick save on the other end, blow the whistle. She would then take the puck and she would pass it to one of the forwards that was coming in for the next one just to get them moving, get their heads up. So to me, that was something that, you know, again, I asked them. And again, I don't, I don't think coaches really ask the goalies enough um, in general. Yeah, like, what do you want to work on? But what do you, uh, what did you take away from, uh, besides, I mean, there's a lot to take from, but what did you uh, take away from Joe's uh, interview? Yeah, so. You know, we always have the concept of there's one puck in a game, so there's one puck in practice. So if you're doing a drill, you can't just pick up another puck if you mess up a pass. you got to collect that puck. you got to take that puck seriously. Um, and that really coincided with his idea of, you know, they should be in game situations and they should be tracking the puck in a game-like scenario. It shouldn't be just a million shots. It should be quality of shots. And I thought that was really helpful that, you know, Players should practice tracking, goaltenders should practice tracking the puck just as much as they should practice making a whole bunch of saves. And I thought that was a really, really good point that I hadn't really thought about too much. No, for sure. I wouldn't, you know, again, I I really enjoyed it. So thanks again, Joe, for jumping on. Again, I I know we could have definitely turned that into a, probably a conference on its own. Um, Just all the stuff that he's done and uh, seen. All right, well, the, that probably should lead us into our uh, five myths here of uh, goaltending. And I was lucky enough to go first. So uh you ready to jump in, Coach? Oh, I, I'm ready. I've, I've been waiting all day for this, man. All right. Uh, so my <laughs> first myth... <laughs> so my first myth is... Uh, one is goalies should be decided at the 8U level. Um, my feeling is that Every kid should get a turn playing goalie. USA Hockey has the quick change pads that are out there. Um, there's absolutely no reason that kids at the, you know, the Mike, the, you know, U6, uh, or let's see, 6U, 8U, even 10U. Might not be the right size at 10U, but there's no reason that you, if you've got one goalie on your team, throw another kid in the pads for even if it's half a practice. Let them, let them feel the puck. Let them see what it's like. 
you never know. And while we, I am seeing, as I said before, we are seeing more goal, kids interested in goalies, I don't think there's enough. Um, I think there is a shortage, and I understand why. It's an expensive position to play, and it's very specialized. And, again, there's also the, the makeup of, well, if my kid gets scored on, it's, it's him who gets scored on. You know, there's a lot of that, you know, what's going on between the between the ears there type of uh, stuff. So, but I do think that we specialize a little too early with goaltenders. Um, and I do know there's plenty of kids that didn't start playing goalie until they were like 10, 12. Um, you know, not even kids, professionals. So I think that's one area that definitely needs, uh, we could do better um, as a hockey society is just grab the quick change pads. And you know what? Who cares? You know what the parents say? They they're, they got pads on for a reason. We're not, you know, and if a kid loves it, great. You know, again, you can find cheap, you know, equipment. Uh, but I won't, I'll save that one for later. But uh, what about you, Coach? No, I agree, agree with that. Um, I don't know if uh, I'm ready to jump in those waters with my seven-year-old. Uh, <laughs> but See, I, 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 don't, I don't totally disagree. I, I think that uh, if your kid has an interest, you should get, you get a chance to put on the pads. It shouldn't be, oh, well, you're a defenseman, you're a goal. And I hate that rigid mentality that a lot of coaches or programs may have. It's hey, We're playing the game here. And if a kid wants to give a shot, get out and practice, give it a shot. It's always fun sometimes later in the year. Uh, when we have these kind of open ice sessions, sometimes you see with the Wolves, you see like a, a forward wants to put on the goaltender equipment too. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it yeah, is. So that's, we, got, we got a kid, Gage Winter. He's uh, playing U, U18 somewhere else now. But good kid. A lot of respect for Gage. Uh, and when he put those pads on, he's pretty funny. Pretty freaking good. <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a nuanced game, but, but you can get in there and make some saves and have a good time. So you got to experience at least once in your life for sure. Absolutely. All right, what do you got for number two, Coach? Goalies don't need to know how to skate. That's kind of like <laughs> you know, Joe kind of alluded to it that you know back in the day they would always kind of throw the kid who couldn't skate in the net. Uh, maybe the kid was a bigger kid and kind of took up some of that too. I don't know Goldberg, Goldberg style. <laughs> but uh, there's so many, so much uh, nuanced edge work that happens when you're a goaltender, and you have to be able to recover quickly. And there's a lot of skating involved with goaltenders. Uh, I remember when Martin Brodeur, when he first came up with the Devils, everybody kind of raved that he would skate out a lot at practice or when they had open ice sessions and how good a skater he was. And uh, I think that's been the trend ever since that goaltenders really, really need to know how to skate. When I was, uh, you know, again, learning through the process, going, you know, just going piece by piece of learning as a coach, I kept hearing that, the, you know, goalie coaches would say, you know, your goalies are usually your best skaters on your team. And, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, so I do think it's, you know, again, the times have changed where, as you said, you know, you used to put the kid who wasn't the most athletic kid but could, you know, basically act as a shooter tutor. You put him in net. Well, <laughs> now, I mean, it's a, it's one of the most athletic positions, uh, you know. In all, I, mean, I would say it's more athletic than any other position in the game for sure, 100%. Um, just the mobility and all that that has to go into it. So... I don't disagree, but uh, let's go on to uh, number three here. Um, goalies will get their reps and drills. Um, and by that, what I mean is we talked about it before. I just actually probably four or five minutes ago. So if you hit rewind and go back 30 seconds, uh, I clicked that like five, six times. You might hear me say it, but <laughs> we need to make sure that goalies are getting quality reps 
within drills and that we are focusing on them as well within practice. You know, just to have them block a shot here and there in drills. Like, we don't want to be running just constant flow drills and just like, okay, here, you know, Timmy's going to, you know, stop this shot and that's it. You know, we we want kids to get their reps. We do want them in practice, but we also want to make sure that they're quality reps and that they're focused on them too, that it's not just fire and go, fire and go, fire and go. Make it so there's extra passes. Make it so that it's a game situation. Maybe it's a three-on-two download drill. Maybe it's a cycling drill where you've got to have the goalie um, you know, follow the puck. I, I see so many goalies that know exactly where that puck's going to be shot from and drills that are even, you know, not your, your warm up drills, but your drills that are like, you're basically got 20 minutes left in practice that it, it kind of becomes asinine. It's like, well, they already know where it's going to be. There's no movement ahead of time. They're just stationed there you're not doing anything for them. So I think that while, yes, they're getting their reps in there, the reps need to be quality reps and they also need to be focused on them. Well, I I agree with that a thousand percent. And I got to give a big thank you to Joe for validating my opinion uh, regarding an incident that happened last year. So hear this one out, Trevor. You're going to like this one. All right. I'm just going to say, Maybe this is a person's last name. Maybe it's not, but it was a wild email that I received from a parent. They okay. had been watching on Live Barn, and they said that their goaltender only received this amount of shots at my practice. And last year at their practice with their previous team, they had almost double the shots. And I said, wow. well, we do have goalie practices on Monday. Those are devoted to the goaltenders. But when I'm coaching a practice, it's coaching the entire team, not just the volume an amount of shots with that are facing that are getting to the goaltender, uh, but with and so that was, it was kind of a crazy email. I have a parent watching on live on a, a 10 a.m. practice <laughs> on a Tuesday, but you know, to each their own. traded the kid, right? <laughs> oh, the kid, the kid. I made I made it uncomfortable for the kid. And the parent left, and it was just you know, I, you know <laughs> we'll move on quickly from that. But um, but Joe Joe said it. Okay, the goaltender should be tracking the pot. And these were full-ice practices. He should be tracking the puck and playing a game scenario so that he understands where he is in his angle and he is in the crease. Those are more important than facing just double the amount of rapid-fire shots you're going to face. No, absolutely. It's uh, again, and and again, how what were the quality of those shots? Again, you could see twenty. Let's just say a kid sees forty shots in a practice and he sees only 20 in your practice, well, those 40 shots in the previous practice could just be awful you know, shots, whereas the ones in your practice, they're actually quality game-like, um, you know, game-like shots. So what do you got for uh, number four there, Coach? I named the starters after warm-ups. This is kind of calling out the coaches a little bit. Um, so I'll give a correlation. So um, if my wife sends me to the grocery store and says we need to get something, we're going to the store, we need to get something. I'll come up back with some crazy stuff. I'll come back with like those guys from Dumb and Dumber when they come back with just the necessities and it's like a 30 pack of beer and, uh, you know, <laughs> a pizza box and some beauty bags. Right, like, right. I'm going to mess up the order. But if she gives me a list, <laughs> I'm going to be pretty good. Same thing as a goalie. You know, like, same thing as a goalie and a coach. You got to tell your kids, like the day before, what's the plan for the weekend? You know, give the kids a little bit of chance to think about it prepare, mentally get sharp so that they know going into the weekend 
if they're going to be playing the game or not or backing up. And I think it's crazy sometimes when like, oh, I don't, I don't put my, I don't tell him who's starting until after the warmth. So then the kid might, he might have crapped his pants in the morning. He might have had a terrible breakfast. Maybe fighting off the flu. Like, give a kid a chance to be successful. Tell your goalies who's starting a couple days prior. Well, just to mentally prepare. I mean, I, I ran into the same experience where I've had. Uh, I'm not going to throw them out. Uh, I've. Let's see if I worked. They worked for me or under me, whatever. Uh, I know of coaches who would do that, and I know parents uh, were not happy with that. And ah, fuck it. I was. It was when I was uh, director of one of the teams. <laughs> it's like I can't tell the story and not because you're going to figure it out if you're listening anyway. So yeah, basically yeah. So the coach, I won't say what team, um, but the parents did. You know, say you know my kid doesn't know who's playing before you know the start of the game, and I'm like, well. What like, and the coach, the mentality was, well, I'm gonna see who works hardest in warm ups. So it's like, well, well, well. I mean, that, so to me, it's like, right? It's it. it you're at, you're past that point. Like the kids need to be ready. And so, I've always made it. You know, and again, this year was pretty easy for me because my goaltenders knew. Like, okay, you're playing every other game just because of their, you know, their skill levels and their, um, you know, if I had to pull one, I pulled one. If I had to, it. But I've always made sure like that going into it, that the goalies knew who was getting what games. And sometimes those are not easy conversations to have as a coach, yeah. uh, especially at the older levels. Um, you know, again, a couple of years ago, I had two good goaltenders. One was on a heater, though. Um, and I went with a goalie who was, you know, the hot hand. Um, and we kept winning. And again, I, I could not not play that player. It would not have been fair to that player. Or the rest of the team. Or the team, um, for sure. And again, it wasn't you know wasn't meant to hurt the kid or anything like that nature. You know, it was just, I, I it's tough and it sucks. Trust me, it, you know, I'd be sitting there, middle of the night, waking up, you know, just sweating like, oh man, I, I don't want to have this conversation. Okay, I wasn't doing that, but I mean, I, I would genuinely feel bad. So I think it's important that goalies are, and it helps with their mental preparation. So I think it's important that you definitely get out there that as a coach you tell them ahead of time who's getting what game, and even if it's, you know, again, goalies appreciate it. They want to know. And then, again, you also get the feedback of the kid's not starting. You know, maybe he's that's his, he's got some time to figure out, okay, how do I ask the coach what I need to work on or find out why I'm not starting um, instead of, you know, just kind of throwing them into that and then they're stuck sitting on the bench, you know, dwelling on it, upset. Like, again, totally get it. So I uh, I, I agree with you on that one. I I. I don't like when coaches do that. So uh, the last one here is being a goaltender is expensive. Now, say this with the caveat of being a goaltender is an expensive position to play, but there are ways to make it cheaper. Um, Tell me. All right. So you might be in that position. You never know. Um, I think some of the biggest things are is that you just got to do your homework. You've got to look into most rinks have a lot of extra equipment laying around. I know some people are obviously, you know, especially after COVID, even before COVID, but after, you, you know, folks don't want to get germs, stuff like that. You don't know who used it before and whatever. For those of you who are okay with, you know, using somebody else's glove or someone else's blocker or especially like just, the, you know, your regular pads, 
you can find, you know, again, rinks that have extra sets that nobody's using, so you can use them for a whole season, maybe even longer. Uh, you can go to play it again. You can go online um, and find good quality equipment. Um, you know, again, there are there are pieces of equipment. You know, again, like your jock. You know, your your probably your helmet, your helmet itself. But even again, the rinks that I've worked out of, uh, they've all had all the equipment for a goaltender to just step right in. So you'd be amazed at how cheap you can make it, uh, or cheaper. Let me phrase that: cheaper you can make it, but you're gonna have to do a little bit of digging. And again, this kind of goes back to my let every kid play that position. I think that's one of the big things as parents are afraid of is spending, you know, one of them, besides the fact that you got a piece of vulcanized rubber fired at your kid's head, um, is that, uh, you know, they don't want to spend, you know, again, it's it's a costly position. Um, but if you go into it of, all right, well, let's see, you know, I know the kid from this team last year, you know, kid grew almost half a foot. He's got to be out of some type of equipment. Let me reach out to them. Again, with hockey being such a small community, I've seen so many hand-me-down gear given to players that have started and jump-started goalies' careers. Um, it's amazing. It's something that, again, the equipment's got to go somewhere. And it's not, trust me, mom and dad would rather give it away or even sell it for a, a fraction of the cost just to get something sure. out of it. But yeah, uh, I also think that, you know, parents... Uh, you know, parents always want to invest in their kids and, and they want the best for their kids. But kids, if you're listening, you don't need new pads every year. You don't need no. new skates every no. year. You don't need new gloves every year. Like, no. cut your parents some slack. Hockey's right. an expensive sport. And uh, just because you have the best equipment doesn't make you the best goaltender. So uh, I don't think there's any scientific correlation between the two. So parents or kids, give, cut your parents some slack. The one other thing I think is that clubs should, and this is something that I implemented towards the end of my run as a hockey director, was that clubs should really look at how much they're charging goalies to play. If you want quality, you know, if you want quality goalies for us, our my mindset was, and I was very fortunate to work with a friend of mine, a good buddy of mine, college buddy, uh, Joe DiPietro, who is still the goaltending coach over in Hoffman for the travel program. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to work with him and, uh, basically bounce ideas off him and we were able to as a club reduce our fees to where the goalies were i mean they're still paying something but it was much cheaper than some of these other clubs uh, if it was up to me it would be for free if they made the team but you know they got to pay something but um just to lower their fees to make you know as cheap as possible because and then if you're offering more too, like a goalie, one goalie clinic a week and then uh as i said before like a goalie coach we used to do it a goalie coach at one practice a week, you know, adding on. So, yeah, you're going to raise the player fees a little bit, but you're going to reduce the goalie fees. Again, trust me, there's tons of clubs out there that are always looking for good goalies. Always. And if you don't have a goalie, you're not you're not going to have a team. Yeah, and I think you know, another point too, like, you know, forwards and defensive are paying full price, but they're only on the ice maybe a third of the game. Whereas your goalie, if you're paying half, maybe a third, whatever it may be, no, they ask the whole time for the games that you're in. So there is value to be said for that, too. So, again, that's that's just my uh, two cents out there for anyone that actually cares. Uh, but <laughs> any programs that care, if you want to really retain goalies or bring them in, uh, first find someone who is, like again, like my buddy Joe DiPietro, quality, very good goaltending coach. 
uh, and director, make sure your club you get one of those, and then uh, look into lowering your fees. And I can, it just it's basic, just just uh, just in general basic thinking here. Like it should work. Uh, so anyhow, besides that, but all right, coach. Uh, I know uh, you got to run here, so. Uh, uh, I, again, I've been enjoying everything that I've been getting from the Hockey Planner. I read it every day. Um, That's good. <laughs> every day that you post, at least, uh, which is quite a bit. So it nice. uh, it's, seems to be doing pretty well. So, uh, yeah, anything else you got you want to add, say? Or... No, I just want a big, big shout-out, big thank you to Joe Britannia for coming on the, the podcast today. Uh, make sure you check out his hockey camps, check out his book, Um and, uh, you know, hopefully we have, uh, maybe have you have Joe on again sometime because that was some really, really insightful stuff. And thank everybody for tuning in, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks again, Joe. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.